Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, November 28th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a teacher's advocacy group calls for greater investment in the state's education funding formula next year. But Mississippi's economist warns of a possible economic downturn. Then, when water bills get delayed or go missing, there's bigger problems that can catch customers off guard. Plus, the Better Business Bureau reminds folks to research nonprofits before making donations this Giving Tuesday. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. One of the state's largest teachers associations is calling on the legislature to fully fund the Mississippi Adequate Education Program. It's a formula that lawmakers use to fund public schools and has only been funded, fully funded twice. Last year, state budgets allowed for extra school funding. It was done through line items rather than through the formula because it's often said to be too complicated, according to some conservative lawmakers. Outgoing Speaker of the House, Philip Gunn, wants to see the formula completely overhauled. Our Kobe Vance speaks with Erica Jones. She's president of the Mississippi Association of Educators. Jones says funding MAEP could affect the 90 percent of K-12 students who attend public schools. We have heard from legislators that the current MAEP formula that has been used is difficult to understand. So what we'll propose is information around looking at it and doing it differently. Uh, we'll actually start at Raise Mississippi, which is a, an initiative to start discussing different ways that we can look at funding throughout the state of Mississippi. Now, this year, the law, the state law legislature did put a little bit of extra money into education. Now, it was through line items as opposed to fully just going through MAEP, and even then it still wouldn't have reached what the formula would have called for. But that was a big step for lawmakers getting money to schools. Do you think that's something that can continue next year? It is our hope that our lawmakers will continue to put money into our public schools. This is something we're going to continue to advocate around. Uh, We know that funding of our public schools is essential in order for our students to excel here in Mississippi. Why is this formula so important for y'all? Our school districts across the state really depends on that funding. Uh, What we do know is that 90% of Mississippi's children attend public schools, and knowing that information, we know that our school districts are depending on 
funding, especially when we start to think about hiring the brightest educators to be in our classrooms. Now, a couple weeks ago, Governor uh, Tate Reeves was attending a meeting with the Joint Legislative Budget Committee. They were discussing next year's revenue estimations. The committee had gotten word from a revenue estimating group that the state would have a a growing revenue source, but the the committee decided to go $100 million below what that revenue estimate was. Just they say there, according to the state economists, they could see a little bit of an economic downturn next year in terms of revenue. Do you think that's going to hinder in any way efforts to get funding to MAEP? Uh, Anytime there is a discussion around uh, funding and deficits, we are always concerned that that would compromise MAEP funding. Uh, So the one thing that we want to do, we want to continue to have conversations around funding and what it would mean for our public schools here in the state. Now, the governor took issue with that decision by the JLBO a couple weeks ago because he wants to cut taxes. Do you think this is going to be something that MAEP is going to have to compete against, having forces that want to cut taxes and others that want to invest in education? Yes, MAEP continues to compete with uh, different parts of the budget, and that's a concern for us, especially when it deals with public education. Uh, We need all of the funds that we can get, especially when we think about the school districts across our state. Last year, one of the largest figures who pushed back against MAEP funding was the Speaker of the House, Philip Gunn. He had uh, had issues with how MAEP, the formula itself, was done. And y'all have meant you mentioned earlier that y'all are interested in talking about what new ways to do the formula. What do you think would be effective to make sure that schools get the funding they need that's equitable for the people that attend those schools, but also can be more understandable for uh, even just the schools to be able to say we're going to we're expecting this much money next year. So, yes, we've heard that MAEP is a difficult formula to understand by legislators, and we also know that it's only been fully funded twice. Our vision at MAE is that through smart funding of our public schools, again, 90% of our state kids attend public schools. Through this smart funding, we're going to ensure that every student attending public schools have the ability to see school nurses, librarians, and counselors. We also want our classrooms equipped with up-to-date technology, books, and learning materials that help our students compete in a global economy. We also want to just let all of our citizens know how important it is to have safe, clean, and modern school buildings. We know this can be accomplished through smart funding, and it's something we're going to continue to have conversations around. This year, there'll be a new wave of lawmakers coming in, fresh faces. What are y'all doing to try to meet with them and get them up to speed on some of the education uh, ideas that y'all have, as well as try to make those connections to be able to progress for policy? Our best and brightest educators are having conversations with our legislators as they gear up for the 2024 legislative session. What we know, our classroom educators are the best ones to tell the story, so we allow them to have conversations with our legislators, especially conversations around what it means to have to go into your own wallet to fund 
resources in your classrooms, what it means to enter into a building that's not modern and up-to-date. So these are conversations that are going to continue to happen. We're also at MAE hosting events around our state. Uh, we are calling these events town halls with Rays Mississippi, where we are meeting the new legislators and sharing with them our ideas around what smart funding for Mississippi would mean. Now, another thing I mentioned earlier, uh, Speaker of the House, Philip Gunn, he's actually going to be stepping down at the end of this year, and we'll be seeing a new House Speaker. Currently, it's commonly estimated by members of the legislature that current Speaker Pro Tem, Jason White, might be the one stepping up to that role. What are your expectations on being able to work with him? Uh, Do you think that MAE and the lawmakers that y'all have as partners are going to be able to, you know, communicate with him potentially better than y'all were able to with uh, Speaker Gunn? We're looking forward to communicating with whoever is in that role. What we do know, we're going to continue to advocate around smart funding, what it means to put money into our public schools. We can wait until that announcement is made so that we're able to have conversations with the new speaker about what it means to smart fund our schools here in Mississippi. Have you been able to watch any of the hearings recently about the insurance uh, proposals that are going through the legislature? I know there have been uh, some hearings about basically hearing from teachers trying to see what some of the struggles they face whenever the premiums or deductibles are going up at, at a rate that is not necessarily sustainable with the rate of increase of salaries. I have been able to listen to those hearings, and I also have been able to engage with educators across the state. And this is what I'm being told. It seems as if every time we have a raise in salaries here in our state, premiums with our insurance continue to go up. Uh, That affects my home personally. My husband is an educator, and we have two kids. And each time it seems that those insurance rates increase over and over again around the same time we get a raise for our educators here in the state. It is a major concern for us. Uh, Many of our educators have explored moving to other states Uh, such as Alabama, where the premiums aren't as expensive as they are here in Mississippi, and even picking up second jobs just to be able to maybe have other insurance offers or other ways to supplement the cost of these increasing prices with our insurance. Erica Jones is president of the Mississippi Association of Educators. Erica, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Have a great day. Coming up, a nightmare. When water bills get delayed or go missing, bigger problems can catch customers off guard. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Get ready for the ultimate clash of football titans at the 2023 Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi Gridiron Classic. In partnership with the state championships radio network, MPB Think Radio will bring you three days of football action from the iconic Ole Miss Bart Hemingway Stadium starting Thursday, November 30th and culminating on December 2nd. Don't miss the excitement of seven high school football champions being crowned starting November 30th right here on MPB Think Radio. Hi, Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. Please join me and my colleagues for the Mississippi Arts Hour, where we have in-depth conversations with different creative Mississippians. That's the Mississippi Arts Hour, Sundays at 5 on Think Radio, or download it as a podcast. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Water leaks come with some simple math. The longer the leak goes on, the more it's going to cost you, which is why it's a problem when utilities don't tell customers about potential leaks. That's the case for our latest utility bill of the month report. Stephen Basaha of the Gulf States Newsroom tells us about how a withheld bill led to one Alabama family owing thousands of dollars. When the Birmingham Waterworks truck rolled up to her home to check the water meter, Claire Aholt had one question. I stopped him and was like, hey, what's up with my bills? They've been gone for the last month. Aholt is a nurse practitioner living with her husband and two kids in Birmingham. They never received their August water bill, and that's actually something that's pretty common in Birmingham. About 20% of Birmingham Waterworks customers had bills well more than a month late. That's according to an audit from last year. Water utilities in New Orleans and Jackson, Mississippi, also have trouble getting meters read each month and often rely on estimated bills instead. But Aholt found out from the utility worker outside her home that her missing bill was hiding another problem. He said, I'm glad you're out here. You probably have a leak. You need to turn your water off at the street. She didn't see any sign of a leak, but when she dug up her water meter... You could see this little bitty red thing just spinning. Spinning, spinning, spinning constantly. The leak was an expensive fix, about 2500 bucks. Then the bills for that wasted water started coming in. The first was for $4,000. I could not believe that we had used that much water and that we were now going to have to negotiate and figure out what to do with a $4,000 water bill. And that 4000 became 7000 uh, Yes, and then a week later when they calculated the rest of our August usage, that became a $7,000 water bill. So much of that cost could have been avoided if she just got her August bill on time and knew about the leak earlier. Instead, Birmingham Waterworks delayed sending her a bill. And that's because of how the company handles something water utilities see all the time. Implausible meter readings. Which really just means anytime water usage seems way off. Sometimes it's an innocent reason like the customer sorting their lawn or filling a pool. Other times it's just an error reading the meter. And sometimes it's a leak. One way many utilities start dealing with this is by reaching out to the customer and saying, Hey, that's a lot of water using. You good? Birmingham Waterworks says it does contact customers, but only after it's sure about the reading, which might mean waiting for another meter reader to double check. So Aholt's bill was delayed and she never got that warning. There's no documentation that they ever contacted us about anything. Did they say that they contacted you? She can't confirm whether or not anyone contacted me. I went back and looked at my call log around that date, and I don't have any phone calls from Birmingham Waterworks. And I I now know their number very well. If the utility did let her know right away, she could have caught the leak weeks earlier and possibly prevented thousands of dollars worth of water from being wasted. Now, a lack of communication from a water utility is not new. George Kunkel consults utilities on water efficiency, and he says historically... Drinking water industry was the silent service. The water industry was happy to be just quietly doing its job in the background. Kunkel says that should change to better catch expensive leaks. After all, a lot of water providers are doing that by using tech like smart water meters. They can flag spikes in water use the same day rather than having to wait a month or longer. A lot of these events could be identified much quicker now, save the water, save the anxiety for the customers. Everybody wins. Win-win. 
At the start of the year, Birmingham Waterworks said it was looking into using smart water meters, and New Orleans Water Utility is currently making the switch. About a month after Claire Aholt got those water bills for roughly $7,000, I called her up because she said Birmingham Waterworks had updated her account. So the new total down from $7,000 is about $350. Birmingham Waterworks removed pretty much all she owed because of her leak. She's happy her bill got fixed, but... I certainly don't feel like Birmingham should be responsible for the entire bill. It's our water service line and it's on our property. Oh, so you feel like they gave you too much? No, well, no. I don't feel like they gave you too much because I think it's their fault they waited so long to tell us about it. And she's right that cities and towns like Birmingham, or at least their residents, bear the cost of leaks and forgiven water bills like this. All this wasted water ultimately translates to higher water rates for everyone. Rates that only go higher the longer it takes utilities to let customers know about leaks. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Stephen Basaha. The Gulf States Newsroom is a partnership between Mississippi Public Broadcasting and public radio stations in Alabama and Louisiana. Coming up, the Better Business Bureau reminds folks to research nonprofits before making donations this Giving Tuesday. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, host of the original Southern Remedy, the show where I answer your medical questions. Subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on any podcasting app. An evening of jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. It's Giving Tuesday, and experts in fraud prevention are reminding folks to look into a charity before making donations. Do some deep research. Mississippi is one of the top states for giving to charities, but some bad actors take advantage of this, says John O'Hara. He's president and CEO of the Better Business Bureau serving Mississippi. He tells our Kobe Vance, Each charity has a unique way they use donations, and this time of year also comes with an increased risk for fraud. Mississippi is always in the top three per capita in giving, and that's something our state should be very proud of. Uh, But because of that, we're also uh, subject to uh, scammers trying to uh, take money that's meant for uh, you know, good in charities. Uh, a couple of things that people should look for for Giving Tuesday is one uh, is research the charity that they're going to give to. Uh, not all charities are created equal. Uh, some charities, uh, a lot of the money just goes for overhead, such as you know expenses for marketing or board members. For the Better Business Bureau to be an accredited charity, at least 70% of what you collect in has to go toward your mission. So uh, a good place to start would be at our Wise Giving Alliance, which is WGA.org, which is a place that you can look for a charity to give to. Uh, Another thing is uh, if you're getting unsolicited phone calls, you need to uh, definitely do your hallmark on those. Uh, They could be scammers or they could be a charity that give sometimes as little as 2 to 3% uh, 
to helping the cause that they're involved in. So that's a, a couple things people should be wary of. What goes into being an accredited uh, charity by the Better Business Bureau? There's 13 standards that have to be passed. Uh, one of them is proper board oversight. Uh, you have to uh, make sure that you have meetings uh, where money is going toward the cause and not uh, going to internal employees or uh, you know other things such as uh, exorbitant marketing cost. Uh, you know, a couple of things is also uh, how long you've been in uh, you know, running the charity and how it's run. Is it properly registered with the state that you're with? It's a very thorough uh, application process to be BBB accredited charity. And another place that you could look to uh, research a charity, a very good resource is Charity Navigator. Uh, a lot of people use that as well. So between the BBB and Charity Navigator, you should get a good idea about how good a charity is being run. What are some things that people should be looking out for? Uh, I guess it might be easy to spot a charity in general, but are there some notes that you have for, hey, if you see this, you might want to second guess giving to that location? Yes. You know, certain things that we always uh, get suspect on are a lot of these GoFundMe charities. Uh, if someone approaches you with a GoFundMe, not, uh, you know, charity, is make sure you actually are giving to the people who need that. We saw a couple of those pop up here in our state after what happened in Roland Fork and the Delta and in other areas of the state after the tornadoes. And the one thing, if you happen to know the person and they're raising a GoFundMe because someone is sick and you know them, and I don't mean they're one of your 2,000 Facebook friends. Uh, they're someone you've actually met and know. Uh, about raising money. GoFundMe is a good uh, resource for people that do that, but there is no vetting of charities or giving on those GoFundMe accounts. Uh, so people steal pictures of the news and they claim they're a victim and, and they raise money. And we see it, unfortunately, on a weekly basis here. I'm going to loop in online shopping because we're about to get into some very similar territory here. But talking about online donations... Are there any indicators people can look for when on a web page to make sure that the website is secure, that their financial information is going to be handled properly? Yes. The the first thing is, uh, and this goes along with the online shopping as well, is you want to look for that padlock in the uh, browser bar. And what I'm talking about, uh, a lot of times if you have proper uh, software on your device that is protecting you, uh, it may not even let you go uh, to, it will tell you you're going on an unsecure site. But there's usually a padlock. If you see, uh, it's usually closed, like a lock. If you see it open, that means it's unsecure. You don't want to put any personal information or any financial information if you see that that is, is not a secure site. The other thing is to actually, when you're looking at the website, is to make sure that there's proper contact information. If there's a problem, who you can get in touch with, especially this time of year, we've already uh, here in Mississippi identified six or seven fake online businesses that say they're here in the state of Mississippi, 
and they do not exist. People are, have been buying stuff, and this is even before the bulk of uh, the holiday shopping that has started. We will see more and more of that, and what we do is we create a uh, BBB profile on that so that if people go to our website, they could see it's a fake, uh, it is a fake website where people are collecting money and they're not getting any items in return. Just speaking anecdotally, from my experience, I've seen a growing number of emails specifically where they ask you to go to a website that has uh, – I'll use an example of like a bank. It will have the bank's name, but then it will have like a weird extra thing thrown in before the .com, and it seems like a pretty malicious way that somebody might try to wedge themselves in between people that are trying to give and the places that need it. Yes. We see that a lot with Amazon. Uh, sometimes people go in a search bar to put in the word Amazon uh, to go shopping on Amazon, and you see there's some pop-ups or some ads, and they misdirect you, and there's just a little bit different, or they add something into that bar. It's not Amazon.com. It's it's you know AmazonUS.com. They they just add something in there, or an X. They add a letter in there or a number. And if you don't look at it closely, you could be directed into a spoof site, and that's another way that they can trick you. So that is a very good point you made about looking at that. John O'Hara is president and CEO of the Better Business Bureau serving Mississippi. John, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having us on. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.